Hi, I'm Sam, and you're listening to the My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. Our next guests blur the lines between art, craft, and architecture. Fung and Bedford are a husband and wife pair of designers who work with what they call architectural origami. It's basically what it sounds like, really big folded up paper. But origami is not so easy to simply scale up. These designers have their process down to a science. We learn all about their experiences, perfecting what they do, and we'll learn about how their unique backgrounds in architecture and jewelry making led them to this unique way of transforming space. Let's start off by learning more about the designers behind the folding. I'm Angela Fung. I'm one half of Fung and Bedford. With me is Ashley. Say hi. Hello, I'm Ashley, Ashley Bedford. Um, <laughs> we're a husband and wife team. Um, so we, um, we, we, we met and started, um, working together, oh, probably about 20 years ago, um, when we were operating as a very successful award-winning jewelry business. And we, we've been creating kinetic contemporary jewelry for 15 years and um, since that, then we had um, we were we won a commission to do a window display, and we the long and short of it was that we ended up having to use paper for the window display for this um, jewelry show that we were also part of, and um, they because we had to order like twenty meters uh, of the Tyvek. Uh, and, and for the show purpose, we only needed like five meters. So we we had so much paper in our hands, and I've been threatening throughout, you know, us being together that I really need to learn origami and see what I need, what we can do about it. So that was the perfect time to begin learning origami. And at the same time, my father passed away, so I was learning various origami techniques, learning the valleys and the mountains. And, and I used origami as therapy. I just ended up, kept folding and folding, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And next thing I knew, we produced like 10, 20 meters of, of paper. And so that's when we decided to apply for various shows and yeah, suggestions at the time we, we yeah. were at the time we were angela fung jewelry weren't we? yes yes so that's, that's although we both fung and Bedford hadn't started until after we we, we were done doing a few paper origami, paper origami, origami yeah. commissions and then we yeah. thought there was we, definitely something in it and um, we became fung and bedford yes and i came out of the shadows and uh, yes originally <laughs> jewelry was angela fung jewelry and yeah. ashley was hiding behind doing all sorts of hard work and refuses mm. to take any credit and and took me years to actually pull him out of the shadows but we felt that architectural origami is it's a lot more exciting for, for the both of us because I, I was originally trained as a jewellery designer, whereas Ash was an architect by trade. So there, there are all these hidden talents that, that he could use, but it, it's sort of under, he's, he's underused, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and, and 
And as we had more and more opportunity to apply for more and more commissions, we... we, I suppose we rebranded ourselves. Yeah, we rebranded ourselves at the same time as we we sort of believe that we've got what we're doing have legs, so Mm. to speak, and, and we really wanted to redefine ourselves. Um, so, so from in Bedford, yeah. So from about... Bedford, um, we specialize in origami. Yes, large scale origami installations, um, generally for architectural. Yeah, you coined it architectural origami, architectural didn't origami. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so large ceilings, large sculptures. It um, could be anything, really. Yeah. Yeah, vertical, horizontal, on the floor, on the ceiling. We have the ability and the visions, but it's it's mainly sort of like the opportunity and what the clients are after. And we can just transform a space, really, in a completely unexpected way. Um, Yeah, because we primarily use um, Tyvek, which is a 100% recyclable, waterproof, tearproof, man-made fibre. It's got all the beautiful qualities of paper, but it it comes in rolls. So you can pretty much have it as long as you like. Hence, you can create paper installation as though it's like fabric or it's it's got a, a much, much more depth. And, and I suppose we also seem to cover the market that not many people cover in, in the way of origami. Um, we are not your traditionalist um, origami artists who create a lot of figurative work. We we are. We turned down a job to quite a big job actually for making a, a thousand monkeys. Not a thousand, honey. It was it, ten thousand. Oh, <laughs> ten thousand monkeys, and it's just not us, really. Is no, it? You know, um, no. We want, to get, we want to get away from the traditional yeah. perception of origami and, and, and create architectonic experiences with with paper basically that sums it up i think i think that's a beautiful sort of analogy of turning down the ten thousand monkey projects because you're not this large-scale origami business like you're you're sort of different you're in the fields of craft but you also influence space like architects or interior designers so i think that brings me to the main question that i was interested in knowing and why we were sort of drawn to your practice because you work on architectural origami, but that blurs lines between art, craft, and design. So where do you place yourselves in those fields? Or do you even feel the need to define yourselves? Or is that something you try not to do? Yeah, I think the latter, actually. I don't think we do define ourselves. No. Um, I certainly don't think of, of myself as an artist. Um, I think of myself as a, or ourselves, I think we think of ourselves as designers yeah. pri- primarily. Um, From our training background, but, I think, yeah. But we also make things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, but I don't see it as craft either. No. It's a handmade product. Everything we do is handmade. But it's 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 not brown craft, if you see what I mean. Um, shock just, horror, shock there's horror. a term in, yeah. in England. <laughs> um, so <laughs> The sort know, of hessian weave. Um. It's very precise. Um, all, all the scoring lines are scored by machine initially. And then, and then it's all hand folded and, and sort of pressed down by hand to to make the make the crease. Yeah, um, precise. Also, to to go backwards a little bit is that the way we we create 
and design the folds. Um, we, we, we take inspiration from origami world, from mm. architecture, and then we, we create our own models, which are much smaller, until we, we worked out the intricate folds. Once the folds are worked out, then we scale it up on Rhino computer software. So so that's that's when you sort of veer off on the on the craft world a bit and and use technology because also because we create such large scale folds it's practically humanly impossible for a, a person to draw all those lines to create all these intricate facets in such a large scale just by hand and to do it accurately and repetitively you know the same fold for 150 times it's just not possible so i mean when, when you experience one of our pieces say a large ceiling we would look at it and i don't think you'd really even realize necessarily that it was handmade or, or, or paper know, or even papers it's super inspiring to talk to artists who have really refined their style and their process of making things We have a lot of those conversations on the podcast, and the most exciting part is that those artists and those designers never really stop exploring. Although Angela and Ashley have really technical ways of making origami, they're constantly looking into new materials and new forms. Their upcoming installation at Somerset House's Stamp Staircase is an opportunity for them to test a few new ideas. The Stamp Stair um, is an amazing space. It's 26 meters tall, which is and five metres square, basically. So I don't know how many feet that is for, for your American audience. But it's about, what, three floors? Well, it's, it's four three floors. Level, four they're, floors. They're so we, we, we came up with this unit called a tortellini. We've called it a tortellini. And it's kind of a, a paper square that's folded twice back on itself and creates this rather sort of sumptuous shape. It's, um, it's sort of like a departure from our... Very clean, straight folds that's very heavily faceted mm. and heavily geometric. And this is one that is very, very organic and pretty simple. You sort of pinch the middle and then to form a half crease and then you, you twist itself back on itself in and out, yeah. so to speak. So each one is about 500 by 200 millimeters proposing to hang 125 of them in, in a large rectangle, roughly 2.8 metres by 10 metres. So it will hang in sort of strings in this space. Yeah. So but, but form one large rectangular presence. So I think we're calling it the gathering or, or just gathering. Yeah, gathering on account of how we make the work is you pinch the, the paper and then you gather the, the ends to form a twist on either side. And then we we gather the paper to feed up to the stainless steel wires. And I suppose it has just so many levels of <laughs> in the way of gathering, you know, the work gather itself. One gathers around the work to be immersed in it. Also, another departure for us is that we're using gold paper or gold card. Yeah, um, by Fedragoni. Yeah, so it's going to be this glistening golden... Glowing mass. Glowing mass <laughs> hanging in this 18th century staircase. Yeah, so... It, it, sort of wood-panelled, so it would be quite quite a contrast. So we're looking forward to installing that in about three weeks, I think. Yeah. It's going to be quite a, a job getting it into the space, but... Um, yes, 
Well, it's one of those conversations we had between the organisers to say, you know, we're proposed to to do this installation. They like the idea and then they have to talk to Somerset, which has an estate team who, who has to see through how we do it because it's a listed historical building yes Um, you can't make any um fixings into the structure at all well i think we're not even allowed to sneeze (laughs) if you think about it yeah it's that kind of a building whatever we're proposing to do um so we had a few site visits with the estate teams to to make sure that they understood what we're trying to propose and it's nothing that will impinge any part of the fabric of, of the building. And, and also, whilst we're installing it, all of the staircases will be in full use by the public as well. So we've got somehow... So that's the caveat yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite a So tricky. we do our thing, but yeah. we're not allowed to be... In anybody's way. No. No. <laughs> It's interesting how hands-on of a process it is from the actual production of the individual pieces, the installation to all of the studies of the space that has to happen beforehand. Absolutely. I've had to develop a way of, 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 well, basically I've got a a 2.8 long metre steel section, which we're hanging the paper off. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be raised two metres at a time. Intervals, yeah. Two metre intervals whilst we feed on each a unit of um, tortellini and then raise it another two meters but i think what one of the amazing things that people don't appreciate about our work is how compactable it is um, mm. so that entire sculpture will pack down into two boxes 500 millimeters square by about say two inches thick so, so and it know, fits into our car it, it, <laughs> We did one installation one one time where we were doing a, an office ceiling and uh, we turned up to site and um, they said, oh, well, where is it then? And it's under my arms. I literally <laughs> had an entire, carrying yeah, the entire ceiling yeah. under two arms the and ceiling, two boxes. The ceiling was, what, two by two mm. metres sort of thing. But because everything folds down and packs down, you, you don't really know what, we're revealing until we start pulling things out of boxes, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's quite, it's our magic trick. <laughs> we do feel yeah. like we're magicians sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking of magic, so one of the things we talked about as we were getting ready for this interview was that the way you see the impact of your work is about how people engage with it. So I wonder if you could tell us about a time you saw someone really appreciating and engaging with the piece and you thought, you know, wow, this is really how we wanted people to feel or the kind of wonder we hoped that they would experience. Chinese laundry? Yes. Um, we we did uh, a show um, during London Crafts Week couple of years oh three years ago um we occupied one of the rooms in the barge house in oxo tower in london and we hung nine nine rows of paper that's that's folded i this is the background that you see us sitting in front of um mm. they um commercial office jobs that we did and and the the thing was we had to 
or Ash had to devise a system to efficiently fireproof them all and hung from wall to wall to to hang and test our our, our tension pieces. So Ash just literally flipped the the panels over to hang on the, um, the, the steel wires. And I remember walking in and thinking, Oh, wow, they just look so different. And, and we've got the underside out. Uh, which it had a, it had a quiet monumentality to it. It, it had. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when we thought we, we, we need to propose this to show that to the big wide world yeah. somewhere. Because that's part of the thing with what we do. During different stages of the making, folding, mm. and so on, there are all these tiny moments of beauty that nobody sees and so we felt that it needs to be shared to the big wide world so we devised uh to to hang nine rows so the back rows got nine panels and and it decreases gradually towards the front door it's like nine curtains hanging down yeah you can walk backwards and forwards between them it's about two feet Part and as you walk, the air moves around you and makes the whole thing sway gently. And I think it was that interaction of people yes. interacting it with it that they weren't expecting. And what I love about it when when I was there uh, and people walk in, no matter how chatty they are on the outside of the room, you know they walk in and suddenly they they either have a little sigh. It's like oh. And then they just quietly wander off um, and just stood um, amongst themselves. And, and usually you, you don't talk to them for quite a few minutes. Uh, and then they might come back out and say, oh, my God, this is incredible. So that, that, was, that was the most moving feedbacks we've got. Uh, just to have that. You, you can just see the switch from people from mm. go, coming from outside to to going inside. They, I think it, it's a similar kind of feel. I hope you know when 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 I went into a, an art gallery um, mm. and suddenly you know you you just absorbed by that work and and you forgot yourself for a moment. So that's that's a nice takeaway. Yeah, what a fulfilling experience that must have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're hoping that this this piece that we're doing at Somerset House might do the same thing. Who knows? <laughs> Often our favorite questions in an interview don't even come from us. Our Ask the Artist session allows us to hear from our very insightful listeners. If you didn't have a question featured this episode, be sure to look out for future calls for questions by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Top Artist Podcast. Our first Ask the Artist is from Tamali. And Tamali asks, how can you translate your paper origami studies and structures to other materials? With difficulty. (laughs) We've we've made um, stainless steel origami, actually. Instead of having folds, we, we cut slots so that yeah. you can fold and you just leave connecting tabs between the facets and then you can fold it. Actually, that was pretty effective. Yeah, and also because we, we have a metalworking background, mm. so we, we do know 
how stainless steel would behave. So the transition is quite straightforward. Then we have tried collaboration with materials. We that, had felt insert yeah, into the stainless steel. Yeah, so that was a lot more labour intensive. I, we worked with a felt artist, um, so she needed to, to have paper moulds folded first mm. and then and then sandwich the the felt in between and then it needs to go into a steaming mm. process, I think. They all vary, I think. I the mean, other thing we did was um, we flocked the Tyvek. Yeah. So it gives it a velvet-like um, texture and you can have any colour as well. So, so that's, um, that's done quite a... a couple of installations with flocked Tyvek and it's totally different. It gives it a completely different material. Yeah. It, it feels like sort of a luxury material. Yes. Um, Very fabric-y. Fabric-y, yeah. But I would say on, on the whole, we, 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 we do stick mainly to Tyvek and card. Yeah. Much. Although, I mean, if opportunity comes, I, I would definitely like to go back to metal. Mm, for sure, yeah. But it is quite an expensive material to work with. And, and as you know, we, we do such large scales, so you're, you're talking quite a big budget, really, which the opportunity hasn't come up yet. <laughs> but we're open. Yeah. Anyone out there? <laughs> Our next Ask the Artist is from Tall David Goofy. They ask, how many times on average do you experiment until you have a final design to move forward with? Oh, a lot. <laughs> Usually a lot. Um, sometimes well, I've got a massive table. It's about 10 feet square. It's huge. And it can be covered with models. And, uh, on um, various, stages yeah, various stages of incarnation, yeah. yes. Um, we, we can, you know, probably we start off with probably A4 sheets of paper because it's yeah. handy size and um, just start fiddling around with those. And I probably may do 10 or 20 and then, you know, gradually approaching to a kind of form that we're looking for. Then I'll translate that into onto the CAD, scale it up to the size we want and then start running off the patterns on the machine and, Again, you know, and that it, may or may not work, and we still have to fine tune the pattern. Fine, then you have to fine tune it. Um, yeah, work out how you're going to hang it, and the hanging points, and how those work, and you know, how long is a piece of string, how, basically? Yeah, a, yeah, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Thanks again to our listeners who submitted questions this week. We love reading through them, and we know our guests really love hearing them. Don't forget, you can also submit an audio question through our website. Now, as we close out our talk, it's time for the question of the season. What impact do you hope your work will have? I'd like to say that um, I'd like to think that we can transform people's understanding of origami. And I think that would be our major impact um, of our work and transform their perceptions of what to expect from origami, what it can do. Sort of shift them away from the thousand cranes, that how you can still have something abstract and geometric orientated but but it still pretty much stems from origami yeah i would personally i would think you've been very successful in that mission you've definitely changed <laughs> you. my understanding of what origami yeah. is yeah I'm, i think that's that sums up what architectural origami means to us really is that it is you know the transformation of expectations in an architectural setting.
And our last question for you is just how do our listeners follow your work? Where can they find you on social media or online? Um, yes, uh, we are on Instagram. So it's uh, Fun and Bedford, one word. Uh, so there's Fun and A-N-D in, in the middle in Bedford. Um, and on our website, I, we, we do update with the odd blog here and there. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for a great conversation today. And we're really excited to share it with all of our listeners very soon. I hope you enjoyed our episode with designers Fung and Bedford. If you haven't already, be sure to look up their work on their website. Or if you're already following Top Artist Podcast on social media, we'll be posting some examples and some of our favorite moments from this episode. Be sure to check in next time for another great interview by my co-host, Jessica Stewart. If you're worried about missing it, you could always sign up for our newsletter by visiting our website. We'll shoot you an email every time we release a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in this week. And remember, you can keep up with us and all the interesting stories we're covering on art and culture at mymodernmet.com. We'll see you there.